Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Miles Away. I'm your host, Zach Honig. As you know by now, Miles Away is all about the destination and how to get you there. For this episode, we're doing something a little bit different, though. As your trusty host, I'm letting someone else take the reins for a bit while I fly overseas for a special TPG project. I'm passing the mic over to our very own TPG backpacker, Brian Byros, for a Miles Away takeover. We asked for your burning questions related to solo travel, backpacking, and general points and miles information, and Brian's going to answer them on this episode. So, safe travels, everyone, and I'll see you next time. Thank you, Zach, and hello to all of our Miles Away listeners. I'm Brian Byros, TPG's Points and Miles Backpacker. And as the Points and Miles Backpacker, I have a weekly column where I talk about all things budget travel-related, strategies for extending points, miles, dollars for as long as possible, backpacking tips, everything related to backpacking and budget travel. Like Zach said, Miles Away is all about destinations and exploring must-see spots, But on this episode, I'm going to be answering your questions about budget traveling, packing right, how I use my points. I'll be talking about how to travel to these destinations and exploring these must-see spots. Let's hear our first question. Lauren from Alabama. Hey, Brian. This is Lauren from Alabama. I'm curious, what's your strategy for getting through long-haul flights in economy? Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. And yes, of course, the dreaded long-haul flight in economy. I know here at TPG, we cover a lot of premium travel, and it looks lovely. But I personally don't do premium travel. I've never had the pleasure of comparing Dom to Krug at 35,000 feet. I've actually never compared Dom to Krug at sea level. I don't know what airline pajamas feel like. I don't know what Saks Fifth Avenue bedding feels like. My Saks Fifth Avenue shopping is limited to $50 twice a year to use my Amex Platinum credit. I am one of the 80%, the 80% of us that travel in economy. And I'm going to remind you all that traveling economy is perfectly fine. There's nothing to be ashamed of. I travel economy because I choose to. Often I have the miles to book premium, but I don't because I personally would rather go to a destination twice in economy than once in business class. So I've had to develop a strategy. And what I do is I found a way to make economy travel tolerable. So my personal requirements, I would like to have a window seat I can lean up against and sleep. I'll bring a neck pillow, eye mask, book, in-flight entertainment, or I'll bring my own movies and just average leg room with enough room to use my laptop and I can get through any long-haul flight. I personally don't find a middle seat to be tolerable, so I won't risk booking basic economy on an international flight. I also prefer the red-eye flights because I tend to sleep well on airplanes and I find that arriving to a new city or destination in the daylight gives you a much better first impression of the place. So generally speaking, I find the economy products on international airlines such as Thai Airlines, Singapore Airlines, Air Canada, Lufthansa, 
they provide a better product and economy than United, American, and Delta for the long-haul international flights. I think if you have the opportunity to use your United miles on a Singapore Airlines flight to Singapore as opposed to United, you should do that. So I have my minimum requirements for making travel tolerable, but I also have some tricks that could perhaps even enhance the experience. One is what we call here poor man's business class, which as a flight approaches, I tend to keep an eye on the seat map and I look towards the back of economy or economy plus or whatever the cabin that I'm in. And towards the back, if the cabin looks to be somewhat empty, you might see some empty rows. And I will take a window or an aisle seat in an empty row and hope that the other two seats in that row stay empty. And then I will have lie flat three seats to myself as opposed to one, which also means three pillows, three blankets. And so, yes, you can fly lie flat in economy if you get lucky with poor man's business class. Another strategy I have is if you are traveling with a friend, if there's three seats in a row, I always book myself in a window seat and the aisle seat, leaving the middle seat between us free, or if it's the middle section, the two aisle seats. And I always leave the middle seat free between us because if there is a solo traveler, they are more likely to book themselves in an available aisle seat or window seat as opposed to a middle seat. So you're more likely to have that middle seat end up vacant for your flight as opposed to if you leave a window or an aisle open. Now, if someone does take that middle seat, you can just swap with them. They would happily take an aisle or a window over the middle, so it doesn't ever end up being a problem. Another trick is the airport lounges, priority pass. Make sure you have priority pass. Um, it's actually more important in economy. When traveling premium, airlines like to wine and dine their passengers on the ground and then wine and dine them in the air as well. And it ends up being a whole lot of wine and dine. So for economy passengers, if you want to get some good food and good drinks, show up to the airport a little early, head to a priority pass lounge and get some good food and drinks and a little bit of comfort before your long haul flight. Okay, next up we have a question about packing from Riley in Miami. Hi, this is Riley from Miami, Florida. What's the best way to only pack using a backpack that you would be able to use on a low-cost airline if you're planning to go on a maybe a one-day, one or two-day weekend trip? Thanks. Yes, so these days with Basic Economy and with Spirit Airlines and even International Ryanair, so for some of these low-fare airlines, you're limited to just one personal item. So my advice is you need to maximize that personal item. Find out what the dimensions are for the maximum size personal item that you can bring on these flights. For Spirit Airlines, that happens to be 18 inches by 14 inches by 8 inches. Ryanair is 16 by 10 by 8. Basic economy for United is 17 by 10 by 9. Find out what your maximum dimensions are and find a bag that is that size. Now, you'll have to fit everything into this one bag. For Foreclose a technique that I just discovered in the last year that has been an absolute game changer is called the ranger roll technique. You can't see me, so I can't demonstrate this for you, but essentially what this means is you roll clothing into itself and it stays compact. A t-shirt, for example, you would flip up the bottom of the t-shirt, fold it into thirds, and then roll it into the flipped up portion of the t-shirt and fold it into itself and then it stays compact, and it doesn't come unrolled. If that just confused you, just Google the Point Sky Ranger Roll, the first article that shows up. 
will say, this army technique could save you money on baggage fees. And the range roll actually comes from a YouTube channel from an old army guy who demonstrated it for all these different articles of clothing. And anytime I'm traveling now and I have the time to pack, I will range rolls all my clothes. The great thing about the ranger roll is everything stays intact. So you can take one item out of your suitcase and everything that is rolled will remain rolled and remain intact until you actually unfold it. So once you have all your clothes ranger rolled, I would also put them in a packing cube because you'll likely be sharing the same compartment for your clothes and anything else that you're traveling with. So keep all your clothes in a packing cube, wear the same clothes, you can wear the same jeans, you can wear the same jacket. Socks and underwear are the only thing that you really need to be changing every day. So also pick out exactly what you're going to wear beforehand. Don't bring options because when you bring options, you're bringing too much. So bring exactly what you plan on wearing, check the weather forecast so you know you pack correctly, and then also pick compact clothing. I travel a lot with Toms for shoes because they are about the size of a slipper and they can also pass for any type of setting. Also, they cost about $50 at Saks Fifth Avenue, so I use my Amex Platinum credit every six months, I get a new pair of Toms. And for your bulkiest clothes, wear your bulkiest clothes on the flights. So jeans, jacket, if you have a pair of regular shoes, wear all those for the flights. The space in your personal item is going to be at a premium. So you can wear as much clothing on you as you'd like. And then you'll have to sacrifice some bulky items. When I go on a short couple-day weekend and I have just a personal item, I normally don't bring my DSLR with me. You'll just have to prioritize what you're packing. Next question is about booking flights. Hi, it's Tom from San Francisco. When is the best time to book a flight to get the best price? How many weeks or months in advance? Is there a particular, I've heard things about certain days of the week being better. When's the best time? Thank you, Tom. Yes, that is a very common question, and there's plenty of myths around this. I actually have some data to back up my answer here. The website CheapAir.com conducts an annual study on the cheapest day to buy flights. What CheapAir.com found was that for domestic flights, the best day to buy flights was 76 days in advance. Last year, they said it was 70 days. They've compiled data from hundreds of millions of flights, and this was the average. Also, there is no difference depending on what day you purchase your ticket. A lot of people like to say you should book it on Tuesday, Saturday, whatever the day is. They found no correlation behind the day of week and the price of a ticket. But there is a very general trend that prices spike 21 days in advance, and then they spike again 14 days in advance. Also, they found that the cheapest day to fly is on Tuesday or Wednesday. For international flights, the further in advance, the better. And also, the further you're traveling to, the further in advance you'd like to book. So if you're traveling to Africa or Asia or the Middle East, you want to book those several months in advance, maybe three, four months in advance. But that tends to work well with the logistics of advanced planning of international trips anyways. For domestic flights, though, the 76-day in advance is just an average, and the price fluctuates greatly. The study actually said that prices change on average 61 times from when a plane ticket is released until the flight departs. There's 61 changes in the flights. And even though on average 76 days is statistically the best to book a ticket, I would say don't book your ticket that far in advance because a lot can change with your plans. And airlines have expensive change policies. So if you're confident in your plans and you know when you want to fly, 
Just use the track prices function in Google Flights. And then if you see something good, book it. And remember, you always have a 24-hour cancellation window if you need it. A couple exceptions to this. On holiday time, you want to book that as far in advance as possible. Southwest Airlines has very flexible cancellation policies. So with Southwest, you can book that as far in advance as possible. If a price goes down, you can get that difference back. If you book with points in Southwest and the price drops, you can get those points back to your account. If you find yourself within the 21-day window, what I like to do is use miles. And what I end up doing quite often is using miles on international programs to book domestic flights. For example, I'll use Avianca miles on United flights because Avianca doesn't have a close-in booking fee like United does. Likewise, I'll also use British Airways Avios on American Airlines flights because, again, they don't have a late booking fee. And the redemption chart for British Airways on American flights within the U.S. is better than what American offers. Likewise with Avianca. Avianca has cheaper options than using Avianca Life Miles on United Airlines flights within the U.S. actually costs less than using United Miles on those same flights for much of the routing within the United States. And one thing I've personally found is I see better prices and availability in the morning. So whenever I book anything, I actually, next morning, first thing in the morning, I check to see if prices has dropped or award availability has opened up. I don't have any data perhaps to back that up, but that's something that I've always noticed personally. So I would say look in the morning as well. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Final question is from David from Atlanta on how I use my own points. Hey, Brian. Question for you is since May 2016, when you won the 1 million True Blue points through the JetBlue contest with your sister, what have you done with the points? Do you have any left? Looking forward to hearing the answer. My million JetBlue points. Yes. The story of how I got a million JetBlue points, it's actually how I started with the points guy three years ago. The points guy reached uh, 1 million followers on Facebook, and they had this big contest. They called it the Into the Blue Marathon to a Million Points. And it started out as a photo contest. You had to get votes. Photos were judged. Then they picked five finalists, and I was picked as a finalist. I took my sister as my team partner, flew us to New York for a nice big dinner, and then they flew all five teams to San Francisco. And then in San Francisco, there was a big scavenger hunt all over the city. It was almost like an episode of The Amazing Race. My sister and I just dominated. The answer is I still have half of those points. First thing I did when I won a million points was I signed up for the JetBlue credit card. Because of the 10% rebate, 1 million points then became 1,111,000 plus points. I'm not hoarding them. I use them when I can. I use them for flights to New York, but I tend to find flights for five to 10,000 points each because I have flexible flight schedules. I did do one big redemption. This past January, I took my family to a trip to Puerto Rico. I combined my JetBlue points and my dad's points from his small business. I got him on some Chase credit cards to 
maximize points earning through his business expenses. And between he and I, we each used roughly 300 to 400,000 points. And we flew 24 people to Puerto Rico over New Year's and just had this fantastic experience. And it was a lot of work to put together, but it was far more rewarding to send my whole family to Puerto Rico than to take a couple JetBlue Mint trips across the country. Most of my nieces and nephews had never traveled, um, never been on a plane. A lot of them had never left the continental United States. So it really, it really paid to know the whole points and miles and to be able to pull this off. That was about 300,000 of my points. I've sent my sister and her, my little sister who partnered with me on the contest. I sent her and her husband on their honeymoon, but I still have half of them left and I'll use them as the opportunity comes up, but I'm not looking to use them on some big premium redemption. I imagine I'll still have be using them for a couple years. The other thing that came from that weekend was the prize of the weekend was just supposed to be the million points. And that was very nice. But I had this plan before it even started was that I wanted to meet the points guy. I wanted to make my pitch. And I had done travel writing before and I wanted to tell them how they could expand into more budget travel appeal. And so during the whole weekend, I was putting a bug in Brian's ear and some of the other TPG staff saying the content that I thought I could provide. So at the end of the weekend, they asked me, hey, do you want to come write for us as well? So the million points was nice, but getting the opportunity to actually be here talking to all of you right now, that was the best thing that came from it all. That's all for our questions. Thank you again to Zach Honig for letting me take over the Miles Away podcast. I'm Brian Byros, and you can keep up with my travels on Instagram at Byruvia, that's B-I-R-U-V-I-A, and my column, The Points of Miles Backpacker, comes out every Monday and can be found at thepointsguy.com slash backpacker. Thanks to our producers, Margaret Kelly and Caroline Shagrin and Alex Schiff for our music. Safe travels, everyone. That was fun. Thanks again to Brian Byros for taking the reins on this episode. If you like this episode and want us to answer more of your questions, go ahead and send us an email at milesaway at thepointsguy.com. Again, that's milesaway at thepointsguy.com. Safe travels.